3: Hello again, Fight fans, and welcome to episode number 264 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host for Ring Magazine, RingTV.com, and the Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you're watching me live right now. As always, we remind you to make sure that you're subscribed, you click the notification bell, and make sure you subscribe to my channel, Montero Unboxing, and make sure you click the notification bell there so that you never miss a live show, whether it's here on the Ring Digital's YouTube channel Or on my YouTube channel. Also, a reminder that the live video of the show goes out Mondays, 5 o'clock Eastern Time. That's p.m., of course, because we ain't getting up at 5 in the morning. I had too much of those days in the Marine Corps. Uh, So the show is live, the video, on Monday, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And then the audio version of the show that goes out on podcast platforms around the world on the Montero Unboxing uh, podcast platforms, that goes out Tuesday. All right, so this is TNC 264 for the week of May 1st. Holy shit, it is almost May, guys. Can you believe it? Um, And new issue of Ring Magazine out in stores. Check this out, guys. This is the marvelous Marvin Hagler tribute special. Of course, uh, the world lost the great Marvin Hagler very recently. And this issue is an absolute collector's item. Mark my words, this will sell out. Let me repeat that. This issue will sell out very, very quickly. So if you want to get your hands on this, you need to get moving fast. Don't sit back and play defense. Don't even pity Pat jab. You need to get going with the power punches. Pick this bad boy up. Uh, Just thumbing through this, I just got it today in in the mail. So I haven't even been able to uh, sit down and read everything. But just thumbing through it, look at this history here. I love this. Uh, In the back, it's it's Marvin Hagler covers of Ring. Over the years, let me make sure I'm uh, showing you guys this here. I apologize to the audio listeners because you can't see this, obviously, but you can go to the YouTube video, check it out. So much history, decades of history uh, in this issue. So once again, make sure you go to the ring store online. Check this out. Uh, We always have awesome deals for you guys to subscribe, whether you want to subscribe digitally or subscribe to the actual physical magazine. For me, there's just something about what I call packaged media, physical, actual print magazines. Maybe it's because I'm uh, over the age of 20, but because uh, a lot of you guys out there prefer digital subscriptions, which is cool. The digital version, you get it instantly when the magazine drops. You don't have to wait in the mail, but this is one of those where even if you have a digital subscription, you're probably going to want to go to the store and pick a couple of these up because, it is just a collector's item. All right, guys. Um, lots to discuss. Lots to discuss. We got several of you on the chat. Unrivaled Boxing Talk is on the chat. We haven't seen you in a while, Mark. Good to see you. Kouster is on the chat. Timmy Turner, Zach D. All right. Make sure you guys are hitting thumbs up, man. Make sure that you're getting in on that. Click that thumbs up. No guests this week, so we can get right into the news and notes. Let's do that because we have much to discuss. So. um, Let's start with some of the lighter stuff, okay, before we get into the heavier stuff. First of all, <clears throat> Vasily Lomachenko will return June 26th in Las Vegas against Masayoshi Nakatani. Now, considering Nakatani is just coming over that great win over Felix Berdejo last December and Vasily Lomachenko coming off a real tough loss to Tiafema Lopez last October, this is a hell of a return fight, and it's on regular ESPN, of course, And, of course, there are people on Twitter trashing this and talking shit that, for some reason, people just do not like Vasily Lomachenko. Don't quite get it. All things considered, this is a hell of a return match. And I'll tell you something. This will give us a great – it'll serve as a great indicator to where Loma is at. Now, Nakatani can take a beating. We've seen this guy take crazy punches from power punchers. Verdejo is a good hard puncher. And he laid an ass-whooping on Nakatani until Nakatani kind of took over late in that fight. Shows the iron will. Fima Lopez, one of the more explosive punchers in the sport, Nakatani was able to take him the distance. So I fully expect this to be a distance fight on uh, June 26th in Las Vegas. So Lomachenko is going to have his work cut out for him here. Uh, obviously, Loma has forgotten more about boxing and craft and the sweet science and all that than Nakatani will ever know. But just due to Nakatani's physical attributes, the fact that he's a badass that can stand in there, he can get dropped, he can get hurt, and keep coming, I think this poses as a great challenge to Lomachenko. I'm looking forward to that one just in terms of styles, the physical matchup. That's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. All right, uh, Eddie Hearn, leaving Sky Sports, and they've been dealing, uh, working together, I want to say, for almost a decade. I believe – Correct me if, I was, if I'm wrong, guys, but I think it was 2012 when he started working with Sky Sports, which is basically the UK equivalent to ESPN. Not 100% perfect comparison, but it's basically the UK's version of ESPN over here. So that was a big deal, them working together. And they did a, a lot of great business together, a lot of very, very successful shows. Well, now, starting July 1st, Eddie Hearn and Matt Boxing will be exclusive on DAZN. Not just in the United States and in other countries, but in uh, the UK and uh, in Ireland, in England and Ireland as well. So they, they had a deal with the zone, obviously, Matchroom has for years, but they were still exclusive to Sky in the UK and Ireland. That will be no more starting in July. So uh, this deal, apparently, this fully exclusive deal, this is global is five years and worth nine figures. Now, don't get worried about all the money stuff because all that gets exaggerated and blown up, and that's just for headlines. What what catches my eye here is two words. Exclusive, which means matchroom boxing is exclusive to the zone, no other place. And the second word or the second phrase here is five years. A five-year commitment. We are in 2021. That means through 2026, matchroom boxing will be uh, – a 100% featured on the zone. So either Eddie Hearn, who I think is absolutely crushing it right now in 2021 on the global scene, either he is making a gigantic mistake or he sees something here. Uh, remember, the, the keyword word here is global, right? He sees something with the global potential here in the zone and what they're building. And Think, guys, think to uh, all the international cards. They just put on a card in Uzbekistan. They've been putting on cards in Italy.
2: Matrim has put on cards in several different countries around the world, of course.
4: Eddie Heard sees something
3: here, and he got a five year commitment, a big financial commitment. Uh, I think that this is a, a, a pretty. Interesting deal and a pretty substantial one and something that people should be looking at. All right. looks like I'm having some, uh, are you guys seeing me? Okay. I was breaking up there for a second. I apologize for that. It looks like we're good now. Let's see here. A couple questions on the chat. Um, Matt Malone says sometimes folks respond poorly to boxers who the media anoints as all time greats when they haven't beaten a truly great fighter in their prime. It's interesting. Take. Interesting take, but um, I don't know, man. I think Matt Malone, number one, I don't know anyone in the media who is calling Vasily Lomachenko an all time great, and he has beaten several great fighters, uh, multiple great fighters. Now, uh, has he beaten a, a, a list of Hall of Famers and everything? No, but that's just indicative of the time that we're in. But look, man, him absolutely outclassing Guillermo Rigandiao. And, and there's a couple other fights in there that you guys are really, really sleeping on, some of you. That was a terrific performance, man, if you're talking about Lomachenko. Castro uh, Chastro's Loma thinks who he is. That's why people don't like him. At least that's the vibe I get. Okay, yeah. Unrivaled Boxing Talk says Heard promoted Hay Harrison on Sky Box Office in 2010. Damn, so he goes back over a decade on Sky. Well, I know he's been working with Sky for a long time, but I believe they had an exclusive deal that started in 2012. Again, could be wrong. All right. um, Yeah, so I I don't know what happened there with that glitch, guys. Uh, Zach D says, ESPN commentators make him out to be Muhammad Ali. I, I believe you're referring to Vasily Lomachenko. I understand that, but ESPN commentators equate Shakur Stevenson to be Muhammad Ali. In fact, there are graphics comparing him to Muhammad Ali. They do that with everybody. The ESPN commentators are cheerleaders. They are promoters. And I like some of those guys a lot, but uh, that's essentially the role that they have taken on over there. So you, why are you going to get mad at the fighter? Because the plat, the network that uh, promotes his fights are, are talking about him that way. That doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know. I just think that people kind of hold Loma to some unfair uh, standards. All right, back to the news here. So a big deal with with Eddie Hearn, though. I I, I think that this is – he sees something here, guys. Again, look at what the Triller pay-per-view just did. Anywhere from a mil three to a mil five streaming platform, there is a future in that, especially on a global front. And remember, matchroom boxing is a global footprint, and they have been putting on cards in multiple uh, countries around the world now, and they're going to increase that. They're going to be doing that more and more. So I think that uh, Mr. Uh, Fast Eddie, Sir Eddie, as they call him, is definitely building something there. All right, uh, so this really isn't news, but I, I feel I should mention this: Manny Pacquiao versus Terence Bud Crawford. Guess what? Turns out it was all bullshit. Turns out these shadow investors from overseas, from the Middle East, just fell through. Well, damn it! I tweeted about it this weekend, or maybe it was late last week. That this is like the millionth time something like this has happened, as it relates to a Manny, a proposed Manny Pacquiao fight. At least once a year, there is a proposed Pacquiao fight with investors from whatever country fill in the blank. It's usually somewhere in the middle East, but sometimes it's been Asian countries and they always fall through. So this whole thing with Pacquiao and Crawford was smoking mirrors. Some people are really, really um, surprised by this. Like I don't, or, or like upset and, and outraged. Where the hell have you guys been the last five to shit, maybe 10 years. Seriously, where have you been? This is nothing new. Now, as it relates to Terrence Crawford specifically, I got to admit guys, Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence overrate their worth. They have been able to, they've had this long climb to the middle. And look, let me say first, I respect both men as human beings. I respect both of them as fighters. I think they're fantastic fighters. I think they're among probably the top 10 fighters in the world pound for pound, uh, at least among the top 10 to 15. Let's put it that way. And for Crawford, I actually think he's the best right now at 147. I think Spence is the second best. I think they both beat Pacquiao right now, which they should, at the age Pacquiao is at. So all that being said, I really don't give a shit to watch either of them fight right now. What I mean by long climb to the middle is they're getting a certain guaranteed payday, whether it's three, four million, wherever it is at this point. Some of them can do that fighting on ESPN. Some of them have to go to pay-per-view to do it. But either way, they're getting millions of dollars to fight. And you are fighting once or twice a year. This year, it's probably only going to be once against some pretty good opposition, decent opposition, solid opposition at times, especially Spence at 147. Although I do think some of his opposition has been slightly overrated by the American press, uh, but they're not fighting each other. And to fight each other, they're making massive purse demands, massive purse demands that their popularity can't catch up with. Neither one of these guys can sell enough pay-per-views to warrant or or bring in enough sponsors or a casino deal, all of it, to warrant the money that they are demanding from their promoters to do a unification fight. They are never going to fight each other. This welterweight division, which some people say is this amazing, deep division – I think it's slightly overrated. I think this generation of welterweights, yeah, I'm saying it, slightly overrated. Very, very good, very loaded, talented division, but I think some people are overrating it. And both Crawford and Spence are going to wind up in the International Boxing Hall of Fame. All right? They, they will. I'm going to vote for them one day to go into Canistota. I'm saying that right now. I'm putting it on the record. But neither one's an all-time great, and neither one's going to be – I don't even know if these guys are first ballot Hall of Famers. I really don't know. Crawford's closer to that right now than Spence because of his multi-division uh, you know, accomplishments. Spence has only fought in one division. And he hasn't completely yet completely unified it. He hasn't fought the top dog. If you're going to stay in one division, fight the top dog, right? That's what Golovkin and Canelo did a couple of years ago. That really established an elf dog in that division. So you're not getting that at 147. And until these two fight each other, I just don't give a shit. But the problem is they inflate their worth. And this is the after effects of the Mayweather Pacquiao era. Those guys were grossly overpaid. It's capitalism. I get it. I respect them for getting their money. Good for you. All right. But let's be honest. That whole generation was overpaid. And those days are over. We are going through a market adjustment in the sport of boxing right now. And it's not just the United States. It's global. We are going through a global market adjustment. Not only are people cutting the cord to their cable, not only is HBO here in America, the the gold standard of boxing pulled out, right? And we're seeing Fox is pretty close to pulling out with PBC. It's not 100%, but they're getting closer and closer to pulling the plug over there. Eddie Hearn just left Sky Sports over in the UK. Things are changing all right? Triller is coming in now. You got YouTubers boxing. So the, the landscape is changing. The finances are changing. And guys like Terrence Bud Crawford and uh, Errol uh, The Truth Spence, they need to understand what their worth is. And if they really gave a shit about legacy, I've said this a thousand times, I'll say it a thousand more. If this were the 1980s, these two would have already fought and they'd have their rematch signed already. All right. But we're not there anymore. So I really don't give a shit what either one of them does from this point forward. We're going to see uh, Errol Spence and Jordanus Ugas' fight on Fox pay-per-view later this year. That's a solid fight. I'm not saying it's 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 a bad fight. It's solid. It's not worth pay-per-view, but it's a solid fight. But it's not the fight we want to see. And PBC signed Manny Pacquiao to make this clear. They signed Manny Pacquiao to build up Keith Thurman's name and, and or Errol Spence's name. As it turns out, Keith Thurman uh, didn't wit- beat Pacquiao. So now it's going to be Pacquiao versus Errol Spence. Either late this year, probably at some point next year. That's why they signed him. Whether it happens or not, I don't know. But that was the point in signing Pacquiao. And that's always been the track record over there. That's the business plan. The the number one and number two in that division are Crawford and Spence. So I just don't give a shit. So stop getting caught up in these rumors, guys, because it's a waste of time. Now, I've tweeted about it. I remember tweeting about Pacquiao and Crawford and saying, you know what? If this happens and Pacquiao wins, this is amazing. We're talking about him in a different light. Yes, I tweeted stuff like that, but I never once said this fight is signed. It's being negotiated. That's my problem with people that put out stuff like this. Rumors, sources say, and boom, 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 and they tweet all this stuff. Sometimes it turns out to happen. Half the time it turns out not to happen, and people are left standing there with their dick in their hand, pissed off that a fight that they got excited about didn't come through. So, that is what I got to say about that. Uh, Mark is asking, am I uh, accepting calls today? Yes, I am. So uh, right there's the numbers, guys. In the United States, 213-267-7787. In the UK, 2081 Okay, let's get to the big juicy news item of this week. Uh, Ryan Garcia withdraws from his July 9th fight with Javier Fortuna, citing mental health issues saying that he needs to take a break. And um, there's a social media post that he put out there. Um, I don't need to read that back word for word. You guys have probably all seen it if you're here on the show because you're boxing diehard degenerates like me. And you are very well aware of the quote that he put out and some of the subsequent reaction, both positive and negative, from the boxing world. So first of all, I want to give Javier Fortuna credit because He could have responded in a negative way and talked all sorts of trash. But to his credit, he responded very with a lot of class. And he said, uh, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, I wish Ryan uh, the best. I hope he gets better and we can fight in the ring somewhere down the line. So some people really gave an outpouring of support to Ryan Garcia saying, hey, man, I hope everything works out. You can get better and uh, you can get back in the ring soon. And then there were other people saying, you know, I think this is all bullshit. I think he's faking it. I think he's ducking Fortuna. I think that uh, he wants an easy ride. All this sort of thing, right? There's a lot of people out there that just think he didn't want this fight and he's using mental illness as an excuse or a smokescreen. So of course, things are divided and you're seeing uh, a division, not just among boxing media and boxing insiders, but among the fans on social media. So there's two dynamics here that I I want to discuss. But first, let's start with mental illness itself. Okay. And, uh, mental illness is something that I admittedly was very ignorant to for a very, very long time, but, um, I have friends and family members that suffer with it, have suffered with it, did suffer with it. And I, I've had to educate myself on the topic. It's something that a lot of you guys need to know. Mental illness is not a tangible thing that you can quantify Uh, so in other words, if, if I break my leg, I can go to the hospital and the, they can do an, uh, an X-ray MRI, whatever, and they can see the fracture and they can say, here's the fracture. Here's the part of the bone it's in. Here's the trajectory know, the angle, the size of it. Based on all this, your recovery is going to be so many weeks. And then you're going to have so many weeks of physical therapy. And then you could go back to hard training. Right. And all that's tangible. You can hold and feel and see that X-ray. And there's a proven track record of, uh, you know, if, if the fracture is this big, then it requires this many days of recovery and rest, you know, to heal and all this. It's a very tangible, uh, easy, uh, very easy to categorize thing, right? Mental illness does not work that way. It is different for everybody. And it's something that we are, as a human, the human race, we are in our infancy understanding. And it's internal It's not something that you can really measure. So one person may react one way with their mental problems. Another person might react a completely different way. I think uh, I saw some social media posts today that um, Ryan Garcia, I guess he's on vacation right now with a girlfriend or something, or somebody alluded to that. Don't quote me on this because I I didn't really look into it, but it looked like he's kind of unplugged and he's on vacation. I guess his girlfriend or something posted some video of them at the beach. I don't know if this is right now or if it was recent or what, but this person was criticizing him. Why are you on vacation right now? Well, some people when they're feeling depressed or whatever, unplug and they get with a loved one or a group of loved ones and they go away and they unplug from work, social media, their community, their home, that, that their regular routine, their day to day and just get the hell out of town. Maybe that's what he's doing right now. I don't know. I will say this. I hope if Ryan Garcia, and he's talked about this before, mental health issues, anxiety, depression, things like that. He's tweeted about it when he had a Twitter account. He's posted about it on uh, different social media platforms. He's talked about it in interviews before. If there really is an issue going on, I hope he uses this time. Go ahead and unplug for a while. Take a break. I, I get that. But after that, start doing some hard work, my man because this is going to require a lot of hard work and consistency and commitment from you. You're going to have to talk to therapists. You're going to have to talk to people. You might have to talk to a dietician because uh, I I know people that sometimes depression and things like that is related to, it can be related to a chemical imbalance in the brain or something, but sometimes it's related to a, a vitamin that you have a deficiency in. I knew a girl that had major, major Bipolar, depression, mood swing issues for years. And finally found out that she had a massive vitamin D deficiency. And she started taking vitamin D supplements overnight. She was essentially cured. And uh, it it just literally was that. So I don't know if it's a daily thing or a weekly thing or whatever, but she takes supplements. I, I think she even gets like shots or injections or something, or at least she was, of vitamin D. That's it. And it solved her problem. So sometimes this thing could be related to diet. It could be related to a slew of things. But to get better, Ryan Garcia is going to have to do some very, very hard work. And this is something that uh, mental health issues, it is an ongoing thing. It's not something that you fix like a broken bone, you do recovery and it's over. It's something that he's going to be dealing with for the rest of his life. So, you know, my brother Anthony struggled mightily, struggled. With uh, bipolar, uh, depression, things, anxiety, things like that, and I saw a lot of different things that, again, I was very ignorant to for a very long time. And I, I won't go down this personal family history rabbit hole too long here, guys. I just bring this up because it's relevant to this situation. Uh, I had to really, really learn a lot about this stuff. About you know, not not every size fits all when it comes to this stuff. And so um, Tyson Fury. Who who has been very open and and adamant, you know, talking about his mental illness issues and things like that. Um, you know, he he kind of pretty much we know what happened in his signed rematch with Vladimir Klitschko. He kind of looked for a way out, right? He uh he was doing Vada testing and did cocaine, knowing he'd pop positive to get out of that fight because he kind of wanted out of that situation. He was in a bad spot at that time. He didn't want to pull out of the fight, but he kind of subconsciously pulled out of the fight by doing blow while doing about the testing. If they're going to catch nanograms of clenbuterol, okay, you're talking thousands of a percent, uh, then they're going to catch if you're doing blow on the weekend with your boys. So um, that's how he handled it. And he blew up in weight. He gained a bunch of weight, right? And there was a, a, a contractually obligated rematch he had to do. And he blew that because of his actions. We've seen other fighters do all sorts of different things. Uh, I think Deontay Wilder is struggling with mental health issues right now, subsequent to his loss to Tyson Fury. And you see the fallout from all of that. So people respond differently to all these things. The people who are really pissed off right now at Ryan Garcia and saying he's ducking um, Javier Fortuna and all this. let, let, Let me remind you of something that you might be overlooking here. Guys, it's April right now. The fight was scheduled for July. Ryan Garcia pulled out of the fight two and a half months before. This gives Javier Fortuna time to make other arrangements. It's not like they were deep in camp and they were, you know, it was fight week and he pulled out or weeks from the fight or even a month from the fight camp barely even started. Most of these guys don't go into camp until eight weeks before the fight. So I doubt Fortuna or Garcia were even in camp yet. So he's pulling out of this fight. Two and a half months ahead of the date, it's not as if and how many times have we seen guys either sabotage a fight by doing extracurricular activities that got, you know, like I just mentioned Tyson Fury with Vladimir Klitschko, or how many guys have uh, not even tried to make weight while their opponent is suffering and show up on the scale the day before the fight heavy, as we saw uh, Jose Luis Castillo due to Diego Corrales, that was classless. Uh, How many times have we seen guys pull out of a fight the week of the fight? I could cite several examples. So I think some of you are being a little too hard on this kid, all right? I say all that, and I follow with this. He might be exaggerating. He might be overdoing it, overselling it. I don't know. I don't live in the guy's head. My point here is that neither do you. Now, there have been some people on Twitter and the rest of social media trying to insinuate that Ryan Garcia is getting special treatment here in comparison with other fighters. And there's one tweet that I want to bring up and it's not to beat up on the person who tweeted it. It's just that, because honestly, I have no idea who this person is, but yeah, let me bring this up. This individual tweet. I'm going to read this tweet out loud. You guys can see my screen here, but I just want to read this out loud. Ah, uh, Deontay Wilder never gets the empathy Ryan Garcia is getting. Not Broner, Errol. Even after the car accident, people joked about DUI, him being a drunk. Not any of those guys. The double standard is crazy clear as ever. Now, this tweet—I pulled this tweet uh, early, I think, Sunday morning. It already had hundreds of retweets, uh, over a thousand likes, and and I quoted, I'll read my quote retweet. But uh, this person has since made their account private, so I I can't even tell you guys how many more retweets and likes it got since. I'm assuming hundreds, thousands more. But I quoted this tweet and said, conflating vastly different situations, Garcia isn't accusing former opponents and trainers of attempted murder. He hasn't hasn't been arrested for multiple times for uh, assault and sexual battery. He's not choosing to drive intoxicated when he could call an Uber. Now, of course, and I got I got to sh- uh, share some responses. Most people liked my response and understood what it was, but I have to share a couple quick responses because it's so absolutely ridiculous.
0: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: let me see. Yeah. You guys hopefully can see this. Uh, this one person quotes my tweet and says, boxing's loyal white knight to the rescue. I have no idea what the hell that's supposed to mean, but, um, 14 people liked his tweet. So there's 14 idiots out there who agree with this guy. This is obviously, uh, a a troll account. It's obviously an alt account kind of sad that Jake Donovan follows this guy, but, um, Cause I respect Jake a lot. And then this person here says, of course, my tweet was racist and a bunch of other idiocy. What's funny about this guy. If you look here, he follows me. Of course he follows me. In fact, <laughs> I should click on this guy's account. Let's just, let's see who follows this. Of course, this guy, you know, he calls my tweet racist. There's a lot of people here that I, I like and trust. Jake's on here again. Jake follows this guy. There's a lot of people here that I like and trust uh, and respect that follow this guy. Uh, that's that's a shame, man. It's a shame when you guys follow these trolls and these um, alt accounts. But um, here's the situation, guys. There is no comparison between what's going on right now with Ryan Garcia and those other individuals. At no point did Deontay Wilder come out and say, guys, I'm feeling mentally ill. I need a break. At no point did Broner say that when he was beating women and beating men in, in getting arrested on multiple occasions. Deontay Wilder has accused people of various races and backgrounds, by the way, it's not just Tyson Fury, it's also Mark Greeland, of attempted murder, all right? He's insinuated that his suit was too heavy, all these things, okay? Uh, Errol Spence, and, and let me be clear, and I tweeted about this as well. There, there were people making fun of Errol Spence's car accident and making fun of uh, just, just the whole situation. That was indefensible and that was really shitty. And I said that then, and I'll say it again now. There's zero defense of that, okay? But there is absolutely no problem in condemning his decision to drive so intoxicated that he blacked the fuck out while behind the wheel. And in fact, ironically, that's what saved his life because he was blacked out. He was basically a rag doll when he flew out of the car. I know people who have lost family members to drunk drivers. Drunk drivers should be criticized, okay? Here's the thing. All three of those individuals have not only received plenty of empathy from the media and from the fans, there's an entire legion of YouTube channels dedicated to promoting Deontay Wilder's conspiracy theories. Okay, talk about empathy. That look at the guy as some sort of godlike figure. But not only that, these guys have all received multiple opportunities. In the case of Adrian Broner, undeserved opportunities. Adrian Broner has fought on pay-per-views. The guy hasn't beat a credible top-rated opponent in years. He continues to get opportunities and seven-figure paydays. And that's mainly because of his name recognition. You know, money talks in this business. Errol Spence, after that car accident, media went silent. Nobody really held him to task about the drunk driving. He didn't really address it that much. There was uh, not much pressure on him from the media to talk about it. It's not. It's not as if he's going around talking to kids about drunk driving. We've seen video clips of the guy looking a little bit lit since then. Uh, All that speculation, of course. But he came right back into a pay-per-view with Danny Garcia, right? The sanctioning organizations didn't throw down any punishment. So this notion that these guys are not getting empathy, and Deontay Wilders had offers. He just turned them down because he didn't like the money. So the notion that those guys don't get any empathy or opportunity or anything like that, that's absolutely ridiculous. In fact, it's the other way around. They've received a disproportionate amount of empathy and opportunity based upon some of their actions. And it's all different. You know, it's not all the exact same, but um, it's not a one size fits all. But in the case of Ryan Garcia, he's not accusing anyone of attempted murder. He's not beating women. He's not beating up people in bowling alleys. Like, how do you make these comparisons? He's not driving drunk and, and smashing his, his car and totaling his car. He's not pulling a Tyson Fury and getting coked up, knowing that he's going to pop so he could get out of his rematch, uh, contractually obligated rematch. He's not pulling that sort of stuff. He's not sitting out of the ring for two and a half years, at least not right now, like Tyson Fury did. So these, these situations are non-comparable, in my opinion. I'm not trying to give Ryan Garcia a blanket pass here. Guys, I don't have Ryan Garcia on my pound-for-pound pound list. I don't rate him number one in his division or anything like that. I'm not overrating the kid. In my opinion, he's still a prospect. All right? If you want to call him a baby contender, okay. But that's where he is right now. I don't give a shit what the sanctioning organizations say. That's where he is. Same with Devin Haney and and some of these other guys. They're all still in that boat. I talk about this all the time. But if the kid feels he needs to take a break and work on his mental health, let him. And trying to compare that to situations where grown-ass men in their 30s are beating women getting in a car drunk, blaming people or or accusing people of attempted murder, that's disingenuous. And for some of you out there to take my tweet, calling it out because I'm one of the only guys in media that calls this shit out regularly. Everyone else is scared to because they want their press pass. They don't want to get canceled. They don't want to deal with some of the shit I've had to deal with recently professionally, which is all political and unfair. I'm the only guy calling this shit out. I'm not going to say the only, one of the few But for some of you to take it and interpret it as as a racial thing or something, there's no racial component here. It was the original tweet that was implying some sort of racial bias here. That has nothing to do with it. Nothing. So that's it for my rant on the Ryan Garcia thing. All right. We got a phone call here. Let's jump over to this phone call. I'll take a break. he reporter'll take a break and we'll jump to the phones uh three five three eight you are on the chat. What's up?
2: How's it going Mike How are you doing
3: mark? what's up, man? I thought that was you
2: yeah yeah i'm I'm doing great man. I'm doing great man <clears throat> how's how's things with yourself man how's things with yourself
3: uh, ah, it's going man. um you know it is what it is uh, another day, another dollar. <laughs>
2: I, I get you. I get you. You know, um, you know, maybe I'm a man alone in an island, right? I've seen every single take in the world on this Ryan Garcia thing. But the one thing i never seen in his statement that he put out on his Instagram was the word mental. He said physical well-being. He kept, he kept talking about strength, physical, all this stuff. i never used the word mental and I get people maybe trying to say that's the reason why, and he's going to go see attacks to his doctors and all this, maybe he worded it in such a way to get people convinced like that. Maybe he's gone on a cycle. Maybe he's cycling off. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where the the mental health thing came the from. The mental oh. health thing, I, I think, came that.
3: from Eric Gomez at Golden Boy. It is? I believe so. Don't quote oh. me, but I believe that in an interview um, Somebody on Ryan's team talked to Eric or Eric talked to somebody on Ryan's team. Again, don't quote me on this, but I think that's where it came up. And Ryan has posted about mental health issues and anxiety and stuff before he's talked about in interviews. But you make a great point either way, Mark, that he didn't really necessarily bring this up in a specific, clear way. Let, Let me be clear about this. I think his handling of it could have been much, much better. I just at least at least he pulled out of the fight in April and not July. You know what I'm saying? Like days before the fight. A
2: hundred percent, a hundred percent. And another thing that caught me attention was his partner on her on her Instagram. Uh, she made a story, and I may get cut off here. I'm not sure, but that story that she posted was an hour before Ryan made his post. They were on holiday in another country. Yeah, and then he made the post. He's going to be pulling out, so like he's
3: on vacation. Okay? Yeah, he's on holiday. He's unplugged. He got out of there. Oh, looks like uh, Mark got cut off, guys. But Mark, if you can call back, man, I'll, I'll jump. I'll jump back to you if you get back on. Uh, but Mark made a great point, and and I didn't realize the timing of that social media post from Ryan Garcia's partner. Um, that timing doesn't look good, you know. Um, that's the problem with social media. It can get you in trouble like that because again, you don't know somebody's process and let's say Ryan and his partner and his team and a, I'm completely speculating here. Okay. His family, his doctor all got together and said, Ryan, why don't you, and I don't even know what this girl's name is. Why don't you two go on vacation and think about this, give it a day or two and think about this and think about what you want to do. OK, which sounds reasonable, sa- sounds normal. And maybe while on that holiday, while talking to his family, while talking to his partner, he said, you know what, man, I need to I need to work on myself. Um, I'm not right in the head right now. This isn't good. And they made the decision right then and there. And that's when Ryan made his post. Perfectly reasonable. And that's how a lot of us out there would process something like this and maybe how we'd handle it in our life. But when you live on social media, when you are a quote. Influencer on social media, everything's under a microscope and everything is overly scrutinized. I am a very, very small person on social media in comparison to Ryan Garcia. I have like 10,000 Twitter followers. He has millions of Instagram followers. Okay. But I am con- constantly ridiculed and put under a microscope and beat up on Twitter by a group of people that have an agenda and are looking for something that isn't there and take things out of context and all that. And they're doing that to me. And I'm a small, tiny little, I'm small potatoes. Ryan Garcia has millions and millions of people. So I I can't even comprehend the level of scrutiny that he is constantly under. And he's in his early 20s. Now, he signed up for this. He's a big boy. He signed up for it. He's getting paid. All right, so this comes with the territory. Either you can handle it, or you cannot. But my whole thing with this, regardless of what I've handled it exactly this way. No, I would have gone about it differently. This isn't the first time a fighter with golden boy promotions PR wise did not handle things in the best way. Okay. But people have short memories. And if Ryan Garcia gets his shit together, he takes the rest of the year off, gets back in the ring next year, fights Javier Fortuna, then looks good and gets winning again everyone will forget about this. It'll be a little blip on the radar, right? So life is short and you have an ability to make changes very, very rapidly, okay? So all I'm saying is he needs to use this time if there really is a problem to get better. And that's gonna require a lot of hard work. So take your holiday, go ahead and and get away from it all, unplug, chill with your partner out at the beach. That's all good. Do that for a week, then get back home and get to work. Because if you really do have these issues, you're going to have to put in a ton of work and commitment for years to get right, my man. And I witnessed this firsthand because of struggles my own family members went through. And my failures and other family member uh, family members' failures to understand and work with certain individuals in the end, you know, it, it, it paid a heavy toll. So, so do what you got to do. And ignore the noise. Get off of social media. That would be my advice to Ryan. All right, let's see if this is Mark. We got another call here. It says anonymous, but let's see. Mark, is this you back on the line, my man?
2: Yeah, it is. Sorry, I did get cut off. Are you? I no worries. Line here. Sorry. No yeah, I, I decided to call via um, via Skype this time because it would be easier because I've got the minutes. Gotcha. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, I hear yeah. you, man.
2: And, but yeah, where I was at was, is there a possibility it could also be, I, I don't like saying, this. maybe he has mental health problems. What if it's still cheap? You know what I'm getting at when I say yeah. cheap, Mike? Yeah. I mean, this kid puts up one post on Instagram with a sponsorship deal, he gets 150, 200 K. Right. Like, <laughs> he's loaded. He will not make the same amount of money getting punched in the head as he do on his instagram he don't that's a good point
3: that's a really good point and you know everybody loves a comeback story so i'm not saying it's completely out of bounds to exaggerate mental health issues to talk about this so that you can have this wonderful comeback story later on and be this champion in and out of the ring there's more sponsorship deals i get all that i'm just saying that I can't possibly know what's in the kid's head, you know? So I'm trying to be understanding. And the people that are trying to compare this situation to Tyson Fury, Errol Spence, Deontay Wilder, Adrian broner those people are disingenuous assholes, in my opinion.
2: Well, from my own point of view, I have no idea what's wrong. Um, but if he has mental health issues, I wish him nothing but the best. You can't compare it to Errol. You can't compare it to Tank, Wilder, or Fury. They're very, they're all very different.
3: Situations. Exactly. You can't.
2: I hear somebody say that he's probably like it's probably an Oliver McCall situation or something. Who knows? Who knows?
3: Yeah. Would you rather? Let's, let's it say is. it is, Mark. Let's say it is. Would you rather him pull an Oliver McCall what he did in the rematch with Lennox Lewis, or would you rather him get the help he needs before he gets back in the ring? That's that's my point here.
1: That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for
2: details. Yeah, I'd be- look, if he's in any place, like, we all know what was up on the call. He was strung out, right? Mm-hmm. He was, we all know that at this stage. It's, it's nowhere. It's no secret. But if that kid has anything similar to that, the last thing I want to see is a pro boxer in the ring get punched and just start breaking down, turning his back and cry.
1: That's
2: right. The last thing I want to see, man, that's, a, that's not entertaining. I wouldn't watch any fight after that. That'd be on the card. To be honest, I just turn that off and just walk away and wait till the following week because that is that's hard to watch that type of stuff when the fighter starts crying because he's getting punched. Oh, yeah. Oh,
3: that's a great point.
2: And. But what I wanted to I wanted to ask you a question, right? And it's in regards to uh, Eddie Hearn. Um he, he recently became the chairman of Matra. Right. His father stepped down and went for an advisor advisory role. Advisory role um, as president and Eddie is now the chairman and in that space it's pretty much been announced that leaving Sky Sports, which a lot of us speculated on for the last year since pretty much a year ago. We knew the jig would be up in around May 2021. Um, I wanted to ask you, with the exclusivity deal with the zone, do you think it's a good move or a bad move? Because from my own point of view, I don't think Eddie's heart has been on UK boxing at all recently, at all. It's pretty much a few pay-per-views and nothing else really in between you don't have any shows going on much and you haven't had any. and the ones that you get on regular sky come on come on the subscription the is 40 a month yeah and i have to watch joe cordina headline like right that makes sure sh- that actually makes you know those like it, it really makes Ring City cards look like world, like unbelievable. And I'm not saying Ring City cards are bad, but they're not the top of the top of cards. Like we had one by Bolechuk right. versus um, Adams the other week, which was a fantastic fight, And it was a solid card and was entertaining. and It was crazy and all that. But that's higher quality than what you get on the regular sky. So with that, I don't think Eddie's focus has been on British boxing. And I think there could be a massive backlash in the next couple of years. Hmm. and i also feel as though he may be going into the unknown with the whole market thing because maybe he'll want to put shows on all over the world what will happen to the small hall british scene will that start filming will mtk coming to sky will stigma stop it what are you talking because it's i think that's a really big overflow a really big overflow from one movie.
3: great points as always mark um you know, with MTK Global, maybe they could come in the sky and do something. And they've got a billion fighters. They're signing people all the time. So there's, and, and you're right about Eddie not focusing on the UK scene. I think it's very, very clear that he's been focusing on building the American, you know, his American platform, but also the international platform with all the international cards he's been doing. That seems to be where his focus has been. So I don't know if he sees something, a trend and he knows something that we don't quite all know yet. And he's building out to that. Uh, he had the big fight, the rematch with AJ and what Saudi Arabia. And maybe he sees, you know, money in these other markets. And that's where he's going. He's expanding. I mean, you see a, a lot of sports leagues doing that. Here in the United States, the NBA, basically China is subsidizing the NBA. Without China, the NBA would be bankrupt right now. Major League Baseball is starting to sell into China. So, so you see a lot of these sports leagues going into these other markets where they can get just get boatloads of money. And maybe that's part of what Eddie's doing here. Um, I, I do know that the zone basically threw a, t- a shitload of money at him, more than he was getting with Sky. So maybe that's, I mean, obviously that's a big part of it. We won't know. We won't know if this is the right call or not for three or four years, man. But I got to say, so far, if you look at the track record, the last decade, what Eddie Hearn has built up, he seems to know what the hell he's doing.
2: That's fair. That's, that's fair. He seems to know what he's doing. And he has put on some great fights, especially on his own. But I'm just, I'm just wondering how sustainable it is. So personally, I've always wondered yeah. that. You know? Like Mikey Garcia, like 7 million to fight Jesse Vargas a lot of money <laughs> i agree it's with you there a small amount of
3: money they gotta stop overpaying guys i mean there are there are five or six fighters in this sport that are worth that sort of money that are you know multi-millions of dollars for a fight purse but uh, Dezone and eddie Hearn, they have been grossly overpaying certain fighters and i would expect that as part of his business plan going forward that's all going to get sorted out I mean, Danny Jacobs has been overpaid. Mikey Garcia, several of these guys. Andre,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. And some people got underpaid. True. and Estrada. They did get under. By comparison, yeah. Andre, I think so. For Liam Williams, made one point seven five million. For <laughs> Liam Williams, boy.
3: Devin Haney is overpaid right now. I think that the the thought is with uh, Andre is you're going to get a cash out at some point. There's going to be that big fight, whether it's with Charlo or Triple G, somebody, and that's where you kind of get that payout. And then with Devin Haney, of course, at some point, people think he's going to be on the pound-for-pound pound list. And But yeah, man, I I, I agree. Um, I, I think he needed some of these guys to start building up his American business, Matching Boxing USA, but at some point, you're going to have to drop these guys off or taper off the pay, something. Because I agree with you, that's not sustainable at all. But he's in the Canelo business no, and he's no. in the Anthony Joshua business. And those are the two top guys right now. So.
4: He's
2: in the Canelo business for the next fight, But after that, that deal's over. And then we don't know what's going on with Canelo. We don't know. Yeah, but. Canelo's so- in a position where he can do what he wants.
3: Canelo could do whatever he wants, but if he's making money with Sir Eddie and he's getting a beat up on guys like, I mean, let's be honest, Callum Smith, Billy Joe Saunders, Avni Yildirim, not exactly a murderer's row. If he's able to keep fighting guys like that and they're able to you know, make money with these shows, which by all indications I've been told they have, um, why would Canelo want to walk away from that? It's possible he might, though. You're, you're 100% correct. It's possible he might. That's why I say we just we just won't know, man. It's 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 too hard to speculate right now.
2: Yeah, I feel you. I feel you on that. I'm just wondering, like, just because of the plant fight specifically. Mm, yeah, I know people may fish, but that what won't happen if Canelo don't go to Fox. Yeah, that's the way Al Heyman is. That's what he'll go.
3: Yeah, Al Heyman would pull something like that, and what would uh, I think? What Eddie would be able to hopefully do if you know you're rooting for the canelo side there is work him into some sort of mandatory position or something like that use the sanctioning organization the influence there to uh to make the plant fight happen but um you know maybe you do a one-off with fox or something could be worked out that fight would definitely go to pay-per-view that's for that's for damn sure so if it goes to fox pay-per-view even if Uncle Al doesn't get options, they make so much money over there. Caleb Plant gets so grossly overpaid. It's worth it to sell that title off to Canelo. Um, I, I don't know, but I, it is possible that fight doesn't happen. It really is. But if you're Caleb Plant, where else do you go that you could make any you, – where you could, like, sniff anywhere near that amount of money? You know, David Benavidez, get out of here. I don't think that happens. There is nowhere.
2: There is nowhere. There's no one – anywhere from 154 to 175 you where you can even yeah no uh cruiser as well a cruiser it's all uh, the only person people who can even dream of competing with canelo numbers would be pacquiao and joshua they're the only people in the sport right now 100 the entire sport
3: absolutely right if so. some people don't want to hear that mark that makes some people uncomfortable but that's absolutely the freaking truth
2: Well what Errol Spence Canelo have sold them on pre-sale
3: though. I I know but pandemic. But Mark, I bring that up on Twitter and people say it's racist. I mean it's just it's just the world we live in right now. But it's the truth. I've had people try to explain to me that Errol Spence was the A side against Mikey Garcia. They don't seem to understand why that fight was put together, why they paid Mikey Garcia so much. It was to use his name to build Errol's brand. I was there. Three quarters of the crowd was there for yeah. Mikey Garcia. I mean, I was there. It just, it is what it is.
2: Well, you see, Michael, it doesn't matter if you get paid more money to the dude, right? If you walk out second, you're the A side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it if you matter. fight on
3: pay per view, it doesn't matter worry. if it flops, you're a pay per view fighter.
2: It also doesn't matter that Mikey makes 700K more than him.
3: Yeah, there's that too. <laughs>
2: So, anyway, I appreciate
3: you, brother. Thanks for letting me call
2: in. Yeah, man. Thanks for calling in,
3: Marcus. good to hear your voice, man. God bless, man. All right, you too, brother. There he goes. There he goes. All right, we got another quick call here, guys. Let's take this call. Then we'll get into this uh, fight review. We still got much to review and preview. So let's jump over to uh, 818 on the phones. 818, you're on the show
2: what's up mike it's ace from ventura buddy
3: hey what's up brother how you doing
2: hey i'm living life living life in california buddy um hey man uh, i just like tuning into the show right now um i'm not sure what you covered and have having so far but uh um any idea of what's going on with the second half of a pvc uh schedule i know you know they came out with the first one but kind of curious to your thoughts what might be coming up um I'm assuming it's going to be a lot of pay-per-views since it's going to be Fox stuff, don't you think?
3: Yeah, as far as Showtime goes, they're covered through September. They have a schedule that's going to run through the end of September, I believe. And there's um, there's a couple of solid matchups on there. I did a video on my channel talking about that recently. But it leaves out the fourth quarter. So I think you're definitely going to get a Showtime on pay-per-view matchup in the fourth quarter. And then, yeah, Fox hasn't released anything yet. So... Guys like Errol Spence don't have a fight scheduled. Of course, Deontay Wilder doesn't, uh, and some others, Manny Pacquiao. So you're going to see some Fox uh, pay-per-view shows definitely in the second half of the year. But all that is still being worked out. I know Spence is going to fight Ugas, and that will more than likely be on Fox pay-per-view. Who Pacquiao fights, I'm not sure. Who Wilder fights, I'm not sure.
2: Dang. Yeah, man. I mean, you know what, the the this um... – Showtime uh, schedule isn't bad, and uh, yeah. I'm glad they kept a lot of it off pay per view because that was just getting too bad. It was just getting too expensive, buddy. You know. But um, hey, are you getting the uh, the Areola and uh, Reese fight uh, pay per view? I don't
3: know. Um, maybe I'll do a fight party. I don't know if you guys would be interested in that, but maybe I'll do a like a live fight commentary. Maybe that could be kind of fun if you guys would be interested. <clears throat> but so if if uh, if you guys want to see that, then yeah, sure, I would get it. Other than that, I don't
2: know. Yeah, I'm kind of, I mean, what, what do you? Is it worth it, bro? I mean, you know, a lot of people are, you know, kind of bagging on it. Yeah, it shouldn't be pay per view, but at the same time, you know, kind of one of those things where you, you kind of want to support the fighters in that aspect. But the price point is good. I wish you yeah. know those would be a little, you know, the price point a little better. You know, that's that's what they should keep it at fifty. But I mean. uh I'm still iffy to myself, bro, you know. But uh, other than that, I, I, I think I might get it just, just for the hell of it. You know, nothing else going on except for uh, the zone cards over there. But other than that, man, I just want to see what, what you thought about that fight.
3: Yeah, it's not a loaded weekend. There's some fights. I'm going to get to the fight preview later. But on Saturday, there's um, there's fights on the zone over in the UK. There's an ESPN Plus card uh, Friday from uh, from London as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Fox pay-per-view show, look, man, Ruiz, Ariola. that's going to be fun because it's two big heavyweights slugging it out. Obviously, Ruiz is going to knock out Ariola, but it's going to be fun. Sebastian Fondura is on that card. You know, um, Omar Figueroa is fighting Abel Ramos. That's a pretty interesting fight. I don't think it's worth pay-per-view, but it's 50 bucks. So, you know, if you think to yourself, shit, I'll probably go spend $50 in beer if I go out Saturday night, maybe you stay home and get that fight, man, and just relax and enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with that. As you said, the price point is right. So um, I, all in all, man, I've seen much worse pay-per-views. I don't, you know, I hate that it's a pay-per-view show, but at least it's 50 bucks. I can say that.
2: Yeah, no, you're, you're right about that, man. You know, I, I think you brought up a, a point on Twitter at one time about uh, ESPN Plus. Um, yeah, you know what? Um, I don't think that. I mean, for for boxing fans, they're not getting that, that value. You know, I don't think they're they're, they're putting a lot of uh, effort or uh, promotion as, as far as boxing goes on ESPN uh, Plus. Uh, too bad because it's a great pap- platform and the price is right. But you know, there is no value for it. even if it's what six bucks now, seven bucks now. I mean, I don't know if you subscribe to it, but it's not doing it for me at least.
3: Yeah, I got to subscribe to all of them. But, um, you know, for ESPN Plus, I I look at it like... With
0: Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: I don't get, you know, even if I didn't write for ring, I wouldn't get ESPN plus for boxing. What ESPN plus is good for is all the other stuff that you get. You know, uh, the 30 for 30s, you could go back and watch that library. The classic fights, that have UFC on there, or not UFC, they have MMA on there. I can't remember which platform, but, and then they have, you know, other sports on there. They have documentaries and series and stuff. So overall it's, I think it's a good value for what you get, but yeah, their boxing content kind of, kind of thin in 2021. A lot of what they pick up is these international cards. They pick up a lot of the MTK global stuff, Queensberry promotions. That's Frank Warren's stuff over in the UK. That's a lot of what they pick up. So if you're an absolute boxing degenerate and you like watching those fights, over in the UK, they'll pick up stuff in like Italy, Spain, you know, countries like that. Germany, you can watch those fights. That's pretty much what it does for the most part. Yeah, absolutely.
2: yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I've tried it before, but you know what? The interface is just horrible, man. I mean, yeah. geez, they they need to really work on that, man. <laughs> but um, anyways, Mike, man, thanks for taking my comment. Um, appreciate your work, and uh, I see it's a fight. I see it's a fight for uh, um, am right, bro. Go to the Ramirez and Taylor fight there. Still no news. <laughs>
3: Dude, yeah, they completely blew that. They've, oh my god, that's a catastrophe. But,
2: all right, Ace,
3: I'll talk it's to you soon, horrible. brother.
2: All right,
3: man, take it easy. All uh, right. Okay, let's uh, let's get to real quick. Let's do some uh, fight review action because we're an hour in here, and then uh, we'll get to some more calls. I figured we'd have some calls today. So, all right, real quick, guys. Uh, Tuesday, April 20th, there's a PBC and FS1 card from Los Angeles. Frank the Ghost Martin, Detroit-born, but now fights out of Indianapolis. Uh, KO7 win to improve the 13-0 with 10 knockouts. Thursday, April 22nd, Ring City USA card from the U.S. Military Academy at West Point in New York. Pretty damn cool show. Uh, I, I think Ring City USA is killing it for what they are. These, this is basically the replacement of ESPN's Friday night fights that was around for what 20 years or something. And I love these cards because they're on Thursday, everything you get is on Friday, Saturday. Rings of the USA has found a little niche, they put on these cards on Thursday where there's essentially no other competition, at least not in fight sports. They're never going up against another boxing show. I don't think UFC does shows on Thursday. Maybe you're going up against, you know, a team sport like basketball, baseball, whatever. But in terms of fight sports, they kind of got Thursday night to themselves, at least here in the States. And they're putting on entertaining shows. These aren't A-list fighters. This isn't elite pound-for-pound level talent, as Mark alluded to on the phones a while back on the show. But uh, they have really good matchmaking. So far, they've had a lot of upsets, fun fights. And uh, Erica Cruz out of Mexico wins a technical decision over Jelena uh, Marjinovich, wins her WBO featherweight title on that show. And then Saturday, April 24th, top break on ESPN in Kissimmee, Florida. They had a socially distanced sellout crowd of over 3,200. Uh, Kissimmee, Florida is an Orlando suburb, high Puerto Rican population in and around Orlando, not just in the city, but in the suburbs. And so it was smart to put on this card with a lot of Puerto Rican fighters. In the main event, Emmanuel Navarrete, a Mexican fighter, obviously, scores the TKO 12 win over a Puerto Rican fighter, Christopher Diaz. Diaz fought his heart out in this fight, absolutely fought his balls off, but uh, was knocked down several times. In the end, uh, just stopped in the 12th round. I thought it was a good stoppage. There was no reason to let this thing continue. Diaz needed to be saved from himself. Uh, Navarrete, first defense of his WBO featherweight title. He is the second-best Uh, featherweight in the world right now, in my opinion. The only guy I would favor to beat him, and I say this cautiously, is Gary Russell Jr. I think I I would favor Gary Russell Jr. slightly to beat Navarrete just because of the hand speed and the the quickness. I think Gary would be able to get shots, uh, combinations in between Navarrete's long looping punches. However, Navarrete, if he could land those long looping, it's almost like a whip. He's got these long arms, right? He kind of cracks like a whip the way he punches. Um, if that fight goes into the late rounds, because Gary Russell Jr., there's no way he could knock out Navarrete. Navarrete might hurt him and wear him down and stop him late. It's very, very possible that that, that he, he could get in uh, to, to uh, just, just chip away at Gary Russell Jr. and stop him late. But on the surface, Gary Russell Jr., the only fighter right now at featherweight I would favor to beat. Navarrete. Uh Also on this card, Edgar Berlinga improves to 17-0, 16 knockouts, finally goes past the first round, goes the distance. And I figured this would happen. I figured that the first time he went past a round or so, he'd end up going the distance because that bubble would kind of be burst. And he'd be stuck trying to just knock a dude out instead of boxing him. And so Desmond Nicholson, or I'm sorry, DeMond Nicholson, Deserves, first of all, tremendous credit. He got dropped four times in this fight. And by the way, this was an eight-round super middleweight fight. Uh, but gave some great rounds to Berlango that are going to make him a much better fighter. So Nicholson really did his job. And At any point in this fight, he could have just phoned it in, which several Berlango opponents did. Some of those stoppages were a little too quick and everything. But Nicholson hung tough. And this is a guy who's been uh, stopped twice in his career. Jesse Hart stopped Nicholson, I want to say, two, maybe three or four years ago. I think maybe it was 2017. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just going off the top of my head here. So this is a guy who has been stopped, but he hung tough with Berlanga to the final bell. And so look, we briefly rated Edgar Berlanga number 10 at, at Ring Magazine at 168. That was a mistake. We talked about that this weekend. He's not a top 10 guy yet. It's not that he doesn't have the potential It's not that he doesn't compete with the top 10. He's just, he needs more seasoning. He needs to fight more opponents. He needs more fights like this. This this is the rounds that he's been needing. And I think going forward, he's not going to have first round knockouts. He's maybe going to go the distance. He doesn't have what I would call one punch, lights out, fast twitch knockout power. Okay. He doesn't have a Deontay Wilder right hand. He has clubbing, thudding power, almost Vitaly Klitschko-esque that wears you down, right? So at the higher level of opponents, that's how his power is going to translate. It's going to be fun to watch this guy develop. He definitely has potential. And uh, Xander Zayas, 18 year old welterweight prospect, Orlando Gonzalez Ruiz, 25 year old featherweight prospect, Josue Vargas, 22 year old junior welterweight prospect, all Puerto Ricans, all got W's on this card, smart business from top rank, putting this on where they put it on and with the fighters that they had on the card. All right, guys, um, we have a couple more calls. Let me jump to these and then we'll get to the fight preview. All right. So let's jump over here to nine Oh one nine Oh one. You were on the chat.
2: Go. Professor Montero is uh I'm enjoying listening to your show live again. Um I've got some. I uh, I'd like to ask your advice on a uh, a medical matter. Um is it uh is it, I'm looking to to blow a drug test uh coming up soon because I'd like to uh get out of my job as a uh um massage therapist for <laughs> the uh Norwegian Women's volleyball team.
3: Why the hell would you and want to get out I'm of that job? <laughs>
2: It's just—it's just too much work. Too much stress. It's just so, it's just so much. It's too much stress. It's, it's too much stress, you know.
3: So much performance okay, so, <laughs> stress.
2: Um, yeah, you know, it's—it's it, like you know, I'm kind of an F three fifty more than I am a Ferrari.
3: I got you. I got
2: you. Um, hey, <laughs> I don't know what the hell that means, uh, but um, uh that was that—you know. I I don't know why suddenly everyone everyone's like wow he really showed us something well he showed exactly that uh, every fight he Navarrete did exactly what he's done every fight I've seen him now I've been late to the game I the first fight I saw him in was the uh, first dog bait fight okay but he did the same he's done the same thing every fight and kind of funny looking sometimes, but, uh, God damn, he's good. Yeah, and, pretty much. Um, he kind of, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't understand how that technique works because he looks sloppy and goofy, but he lands a lot, you know, uh, I'm not, maybe you can shed some light on that. It seems, and you know, it seems like he's got his feet planted wrong when he throws and sometimes, and Leaping in and what—it's not like Floyd Patterson, you know, leaps pouncing like a panther with that left hook. I mean, this guy's kind of slowly bounding in, and you know, with that left uppercut, that first knockdown in particular. I know maybe you could shed some light. You've been in the ring. You watch this a lot. Maybe you could shed some light on exactly what he's doing and how it's effective because it looks—he's not perfect He doesn't look like he's really fast. He's now. He looks kind of awkward and sloppy. He is. And he's accurate.
3: Dude, he's he's very very long. He has very long arms, and he doesn't explode with his feet. So sometimes when guys punch, they'll explode at you with their feet, and you know they're coming, and you can brace for it. What he kind of does is he kind of leans and kind of does these subtle movements, these subtle rolls and then cracks a whip. And so it's a tiny little explosion, and it's all through the upper body. And since he's leaning in on you and and leaning to the side, you think that you have an angle on him and you can get away from the shot. But because his arms are so long and he's throwing it from such an odd angle and the trajectory of his punches aren't necessarily straight, they're looping, he has a way of connecting with these shots and turning over on them at the last second to where it's not a one-punch knockout type of punch, but it's hitting you with such a weird angle, that, and it's thudding that you're feeling it, and it hurts, and it's, it gets results. Uh, now, if he was fighting at 135, he wouldn't be as successful. But because he could get down, he was at 22 and now at 26, it's extremely effective. The first knockdown you talked about with uh, Christopher Diaz, you could kind of see Christopher Diaz had this look on his face like, what the hell? I thought I was out of range. How the fuck did he land that? That's kind yeah. of a look he had on his face, because again, he didn't jump in with his feet. He just kind of leaned forward and cracked a whip. So it's very misleading, and he kind of oh, rolls you into the punch.
2: In. I thought he. Oh, I well, thought he he'll jump
3: him. in. I mean, I don't want to say yeah, like he keeps his gone. feet, you know, planted into the ground. He's he's moving his feet. But what I'm saying is, a lot of guys have their feet completely under them when they punch. Right? It's very textbook. Your feet are under you, you're, you, whether you're going side to side, in and out, your feet are under you, and you're punching. Navarati does these leaning kind of rolling kind of punches. And that's why I say he kind of cracks a whip yeah. at you. And the range takes a long time hmm. to get used to. It's okay. just hard to duplicate in sparring. Okay. Yeah.
2: Hmm. And um, I got a, around Twitter, people are still talking about beev be and uh, Joseph Jr. and um, it seems like everyone forgot that that fight was scheduled. It was scheduled for 2018. Then it was then Better be people rescheduled it for February 2019, and then they just flat out canceled it. And I think it's because it's not. I yeah, I don't know. Um... Uh, I think it's because better's people know, you know, that's not that that that's maybe not the easiest guy to get in the ring with. And I think uh, I don't know, uh, <clears throat> I don't think they're any more likely to make that fight now than they were when they canceled it. He's gotten he didn't look very good against Lathoff. I didn't think it was a decisive win at all. But he looked if he brings the Better BF what he did to Alvarez Mm-hmm. wins and knocks him down a couple of times. That's what I think. Uh, can you comment on some of that? That whole situation.
3: Yeah, that's like if, a good point. I, if, if I mean,
2: Joseph Jr. has no chance. Why do they can Why if Joseph Jr. has no chance, why do they keep putting off the fight, rescheduling it, and then cancel it flat out?
3: That's a really good point, man. That's a really good point. I'll say this: people are putting too much into the. Uh, people have short memories and. When they look at Joe Smith Jr.'s fight against Vlasov, uh, he didn't, as you said, he didn't look particularly great. He struggled. But people forget there was cancellations, and he had to start, uh, stop camp and restart camp. That wasn't a 100% version of Joe Smith. We saw a 100% version of Joe Smith against Alvarez, and I really think that's what he's going to bring into the that's- fight with betterbeev, So I think that's a highly yeah, that, competitive that sh- fight.
2: That was actually shocking.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, he put it all together in that fight. And he got Alvarez at the right time. That's a big part of it. Is he going to get better Biev at okay. the right time? Better Biev's old. He's been injured. He's been inactive. I'm t- that's a highly competitive fight, bro. Highly competitive fight.
2: Would you say it was 50-50? Could you pick someone? What do you think?
3: I would go 55-45 B- better Bev. Just uh, for a few different reasons, but um, it, it, that's how close I'd see, I see it. I think that's a very close fight. I'm not going to go fifty fifty, but I slightly edge better Bev. But it would not shock me at all to see Joe Smith land something big and crack that granite, because so far, better has be been granite, you know. But eventually, granite cracks, bro, and Joe Smith might be the guy to do it. Okay. Oh
2: yeah, you got time for another question?
3: Sure, man. What is it? Oh, who is this? By the you didn't give me your name. You just told me that you're a masseuse for oh, the. Oh, uh... I'm sorry. This
2: is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is
3: Ceylon. Steve? <laughs> oh, Ceylon. This. Oh, okay. Yeah, I Steve thought it was you, bro. No, I just I. You know, I didn't get the Midwest Ceylon, so I thought it was you, Ceylon. I just wanted to be sure. Okay. Well, yeah,
2: my my cousin and I rarely rarely call him on the same day. Uh, I got
3: you. <laughs> <laughs> you're never in the same room at the same time. Yeah, I got you.
2: I, it's funny we can't we don't get along. Um, okay, about this whole uh, Spence Pacquiao Crawford. I mean, I, I I don't think I don't I don't think anyone really thought uh, Pacquiao Crawford was going to happen. Yeah. I and I, I yeah I don't see I like you pointing out about signing Pacquiao. Why else would they sign him except to so Spence could beat his ass. Um Yeah. Another thing is I I don't I I don't. Think I think they would have them doing that sooner rather than fighting Ugas and then waiting another two years to fight Pacquiao. That that doesn't make sense. Uh, I don't see Spence fighting Ugas next. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know. I don't see it happening. I think they're saving Ugas uh, for Boots Dennis. Boots Dennis supposedly is unsigned, but he's fought on more PBC cards than the pbc fighters have recently
1: hmm. the official
2: pbc fighters so i figured you know i mean wouldn't wouldn't you want something to offer this guy for signing him and how about a wba title
3: they practically um, give him out these I days know. i, I it, it's not outside the realm well, of possibility no, I mean, but my thing is they just don't know what pacquiao is going to do he's so unpredictable and you're going to have to throw a boatload of money at him uh to get in the ring against spence Unless you have some sort of foreign investor or you can go to a stadium in Vegas and do a full crowd, I just don't know if that financially makes sense right now. I think a fight between Spence and Ugas, they could go Fox pay-per-view. It'll do 150, 200,000 pay-per-view buys. That's enough to get everybody paid. It keeps everyone happy. And that's probably what you're going to get. I hope it'd be great to be proven wrong, but that's probably what you're going to get.
2: Well, what, I'm, what I don't understand is why would any why would they sign Pacquiao without having uh, a defense fight in the back?
3: You, you know, I, I don't understand a lot of things they do. Being-, being like part of the so you're saying being contractually mandated, right? Like written into the contract.
2: That's what I mean. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I'm yeah, with yeah. you, but. I don't understand a lot of things that they do. Look, they might have been they signed Pacquiao to build up Thurman and Spence. Those are the two guys. Pacquiao, I don't think they expected Pacquiao to beat Thurman. But he did. I oh. think Yeah. Oh. Oh. They wanted to do Thurman versus Spence.
2: Man, I tell you what, never that, that surprised me because never at any never at any time did I think Thurman It would never, it never occurred to me that Thurman could beat Spence. I never saw anything out of Thurman that would, told me he could beat, I'm sorry, I I never saw anything out of Thurman that told me he'd beat Pacquiao.
3: Yeah, I I predicted Pacquiao in that fight, or at least I thought he had a really good chance. I don't remember specifically what my pick was, but it didn't surprise me at all when he beat Thurman, especially at that time. I think Keith Thurman was, I like Keith, you know, he was an entertaining, fun fighter, but I do think some people overrated him.
2: I mean, I just didn't, uh, I'm I'm surprised that they, I figured like, well, if I say, well, I just take it for granted that Pacquiao beat Thurman, I'm surprised that guys that uh, signed Pacquiao wouldn't take it for granted too. Plus, Pacquiao has a very recent history of telling telling a promoter to stand up his ass when he doesn't want to do something.
4: Pretty much. Uh,
2: So, I mean, like, so it's like, God, why would you sign, why would you sign a guy who's independently minded without, you know, having a legal contractual obligation to fight Spence.
3: I'm sure they're protected financially in the contract, but I'm sure there's also a protection for Pacquiao where if he says, Hey, I want to retire. I'm done. He can walk away. So um, it's hard to predict what Manny is going to do at this point. I don't know if Pacquiao is going to fight this year, bro. I really don't.
2: I would like to see him fight more. I just don't want to see him do it against Crawford or Spence. I hear you, man. I hear you. Thanks, Michael. Uh, Thanks, Salon. Appreciate it, brother. Have a good
3: one. All right. Real quick, I saw in the chat um, uh, one question I want to get to here. Vlaman asked, Michael, have you seen Christian Mabili fight uh, in this American military camp last Thursday? Your thoughts? Yeah, so he fought... um, I think it was on Twitch because they had some undercard fights on Twitch, uh, or maybe he was on the the very beginning of the Ring City broadcast. Look good, look real good, good fight too. All those fights were pretty damn good and entertaining. So uh, Ring City USA, in my opinion, is killing it. Hamed says, "Mike, you pick Thurman." I recall I actually picked Pacquiao after the Lopez fight, thought inactivity was a big factor. Thanks for keeping me honest, Ed, um, Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what my prediction was, but I do remember thinking that uh, Pacquiao had a very good chance and was a live dog in that fight. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure I had to put that on the record because when Pacquiao beat Thurman, I, um, I absolutely was not surprised, especially at that point. Now, if we're talking Thurman two, three years before that, I think it would have been a better fight. Thurman was half checked out by the time they fought. Andrew Smith says, Spence is a pay-per-view star. And, of course, he's being sarcastic. Pay-per-view star is in quotes, and I'm pretty sure those are air quotes. All right. Let's get to the fights preview, guys. We're an hour and 20 minutes in. Then we'll jump to some more calls. Uh, Let me see. Ooh, wrong notes. Oh, wrong notes. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Friday, April 30th. Last day of April. ESPN Plus here in the states. BT Sports over in the UK. Queensberry Promotions, of course, as Mister Frank Warren's promotional outfit. At your call, Bethnal Green, London. Uh, Maruti a veteran out of South Africa, defending the fourth defense of his IBF flyway title against Sonny Edwards, fifteen and 0, 25 years old, out of London. So this is a a chance for the young man to grab a title. But Thylane is a road warrior. He won his title in Malaysia. He has defended it in China, defended it twice in Japan, and now is fighting in England. Talk about a road warrior. Put some respect on this dude's name. He went pro in the year 2000. Sonny Edwards was four years old when this dude went pro. To put the age difference in perspective. Again, let me repeat this. (laughs) Sonny Edwards was four years old when Maruti Thylane went Pro. So this will be an interesting, fun one to see if the Londoner can grab a title here. UK boxing could use a lift. They have um, not done very well in international competition recently. So this is a big one for them. Also, Michael Conlon, 14-0, going up against Ionat Baluta, a Romanian-born fighter who now is based out of Spain. And then Saturday, May 1st, we have uh, two shows, zone in Manchester Arena of course, in Manchester, UK. In the main event, Derek Chisora going up against Joseph Parker. Uh, Chisora is 32-10, but he's a better fighter than that record indicates. He's a good quality heavyweight that at any given night could give somebody a hard night at the office, especially for the first five rounds. Parker's 28-2. Chisora coming off a loss to Oleksandr Usyk last October and Parker coming off a unanimous decision win over Junior Fah this February. Didn't look particularly sharp in that fight. I think he'll look sharper in this one. Dimitri Bevel finally back in action, going up against Craig Richards, a fighter who is taking a massive leap in opposition. So I expect Beevil to get the stoppage here and defend his WBA light heavyweight title. This is the first fight for Beevil since October 2019, Back in Chicago, I was ringside for that. That was the card where Patrick Day suffered injuries that took his life. And uh, Alexander Usyk uh, fought, uh, who the hell was it, Chaz Witherspoon? I think it was Chaz. I can't even remember 100%. But, uh, man, Dimitri Bevel, 2018 to 2019, he had four straight fights. Let me read off these names. Sullivan Barrera, Isaac Chlemba, Jean Pascal, Joe Smith Jr., He barely lost a round in those four fights. He lost a couple, couple rounds, but he pretty much dominated. That's forty-eight rounds. He won at least forty of them. Those wins have aged extremely well. For those four fights in a row, I was super duper high on Dimitri Bevel, and his career has just plateaued since that part, since that point. And he has had a real tough time finding fights. He has been the outside looking in. I hope that that can change real soon for him because I think he is an underrated talent in this sport who's starting to become, I worry, somewhat disillusioned, you know, with the sport because he hasn't been able to get the fights. Katie Taylor going up against Natasha Jonas, who is a taller fighter, Southpaw, one KO loss, of course, Uh, I think where she was dropped in that KO loss. And she's coming off a draw with Terry Harper in her last fight. For Taylor, this is the third defense of her undisputed lightweight crown. These two fought each other in the 2012 Olympics, and Taylor won big. So there's some history there. Jonas is trying to get revenge. This should be a pretty good female fight. Also, Chris Eubank and Campbell Hatton, his second pro fight there, fighting on the undercard. And PBC on Fox Pay-Per-View TGB Promotions, uh, Dignity Health Sports Park, Carson, California. Before we talk about the heavyweights, let's talk about the undercard here. Sebastian Fondura uh, going up against Jorge Cota. I like this fight, man. Fondura is 16-0-1, 23 years old, 6'5", a southpaw at 154. That is just a nightmare for anybody in that division to face. Jorge Cota, 33-year-old out of Mexico, who has been KO'd by Jermel Charlo. Ericsson Lubin, and Marco Antonio Rubio. So on paper, you expect Fondura to get in some good rounds here, but also get a stoppage win and build up his resume further. They call Sebastian Fondura the Towering Inferno. I think his nickname should be The Freak. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean he's six foot five and he makes 154. They should just call him Sebastian The Freak Fondura. I think that'd be fun, and it would fit. Uh, and it's also interesting that he fights out of Coachella, where a bunch of potheads and uh, acid droppers go every year for that big music fest. You just don't think of boxing when you think of Coachella. Also on this card, Iris Lani Lara fighting Thomas Cornflake Lamana, a fighter who's been KO'd twice, taking a big step up, even against an old Lara. you got to favor Lara big in this one. This is for the regular WBA, WBA 154 title. Lara coming off wins over Greg Vendetti. And Ramon Alvarez, so I think this will be what the second time he's going to beat up on an Italian guy here. Uh, if you haven't heard of any of these opponents, don't feel bad. most people haven't no disrespect to them, but most people haven't and Before that, Lard had a draw with Castagno and a loss to herd. I mention all this because why the hell would the w b a sanction this as a title fight? The champion of the division is Jermel Charlo, and he is going to unify completely with Brian Castaño. It's very, very clear who the champion of the division is. It'll be the winner of that fight. There is no reason to sanction any other fights for any other titles in that division, but the WBA means will belt anything. They are pathetic. They are disgusting. They are a steaming hot pile of dog shit that you accidentally step in in the backyard and you don't have any shoes on. That's what the WBA is. Omar Figueroa coming off a loss to Jordanus uh, Ugas in July 2019. Has not fought since then, but almost two years. Common theme with a lot of these fighters. Going up against Abel Ramos, coming off a loss, his own loss to Ugas last September. So both of these guys lost to Ugas. They're going to fight each other, 12 round welterweight fight. And then the main event, Andy Ruiz going up against Ancient, Ancient. Chris Areola, Ruiz last fought Anthony Joshua December 2019. It's been a year and a half since he's been in the ring, but he has apparently gotten his weight down into the 250s, and he's his weights have spanned from the 240s all the way to like 297, almost 300 pounds in his career. You know it, he should be in the 230s, honestly, but him down in the 250s. That's pretty good for him at this stage of his career. Apparently, he's in real good shape. Ariola went pro in 2003. So, what, 18 years ago. So, the year Ariola went pro, you were born that year. You are officially an adult in 2021. That's how long this dude's been a pro. Best win was, I don't know, Eric Molina in 2012, Brian Minto in 2009, Chaz Witherspoon in 2008. I don't know. I like Chris Ariola. Super fun dude, super fun human being, fun fighter to watch, but he's never kind of been an elite guy, right? He's never been an elite level fighter. And Andy Ruiz, I just wonder do some people overrate this guy? People call him an elite level heavyweight. I wouldn't say that. I, I haven't seen anything that proves that yet. I thought he lost a close competitive fight to Joseph Parker. Some people felt Ruiz won. I thought Parker won that fight. Uh, it was close though. And then he, Scored the the win over Anthony Joshua, became the heavyweight champion, and then lost badly in the rematch. You could blame it 100% on weight. I don't know. Psychologically there, I think he knew what he was up against in the rematch. And um, I just think that top 10 heavyweight for sure, especially if he's in shape and he's focused. But I, I think that Anthony Joshua beat him badly in a third fight. I think Tyson Fury would absolutely beat the brakes off him. I'd love to see Andy Ruiz. He's going to win this fight by third, fourth, fifth round knockout. It should be a first round knockout, but because they're both Mexican American, there's going to be passion in there. They're going to slug it out for a while and give a few rounds of action to the fans. So this is going to go five, six rounds. I wouldn't even be, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes into the second half of the fight, but I would, I would predict it doesn't. I'd predict fifth, six round stop, something like that. Um, and Mandeli in the chat says, tell us what you really think of the WBA, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, Ruiz will be successful here and then I want to see him fight Deontay Wilder. I think that's the perfect return fight for Deontay Wilder. I understand it'll be pay-per-view. It'll go Fox pay-per-view, but if Ruiz wins this fight and wins big, which I think he will call out Deontay Wilder, do Wilder Ruiz in Vegas, in like the fourth quarter, October, November, December, Fox pay-per-view. That'd be a fun fight. And I think it would sell. it do good numbers. Um, you'd have the West Coast Mexican-American fans buying that fight. You'd have Deontay Wilder fans buying that fight. You'd have casual sports fans buying in because there'd be an interest in seeing Deontay Wilder post Tyson Fury beatdown, you know, especially with all the... Glovegate stuff and the suitgate stuff and the spiked watergate stuff and the Durrell telepathy stuff all that stuff. People are going to be curious to see his return. So I think that pay-per-view could actually do decent numbers, 300, 400,000 something like that. That's what I'd like to see going forward. We'll see if that happens. Um let's see here in the chat. There's one comment I wanted to get out. John Newman in the chat says, "But do you think Ruiz is an elite in the current era?" Because that's a different question. Good question. Uh so far, no. Now, I may be proven wrong. If Andy Ruiz, let's say Andy Ruiz comes back and beats Deontay Wilder, right? Uh, and then comes back in, I don't know, maybe there's a rematch with Joseph Parker. He beats him uh and avenges that one loss, right? It, 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 he needs to b- win a couple fights like that. How many top ten heavyweights has this guy beat? One. And it was a fluke against Anthony Joshua. So, and this fight with Ariola is no exception. This is the level of opponents that Andy Ruiz for the most part has beaten in his career. I can't call him elite until he's beaten some top dudes. He came up short against Parker. No shame in that. But if he's improved since then, cool. Show me. Show me you've improved. I to this point, guys, I look at the Anthony Joshua win. Like I rate it. Good win, fair and square, all that. But The rumor is Joshua was compromised in camp for that fight. Wasn't 100% coming in. He was the last second replacement. And the rematch, to me, settled all questions. So until Andy Ruiz gets in there and beats some top 10 dudes and maybe at least one top five guy, like a Deontay Wilder, I just can't call him elite. Right now, there is only, in my opinion, there are only two elite heavyweights. Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, that's it. That is it. Andrew Smith, did you hear any news on Usyk? No, I have not. I have not. Unfortunately. Hamed says uh, Ruiz is arguably top five. He has a better signature win than the majority of heavyweights. Top five, sure. I'll put Ruiz in the top five. Does that mean he's elite? Depends on the strength of the division. I don't think this heavyweight division is as strong as some people make it out to be. Some divisions... There's five or six elite fighters. Some divisions, there's one elite fighter. In this particular case, I think right now, there are two elite heavyweights. I could be proven wrong, though. Again, if Andy Andy Ruiz has one big win, guys, one. Even Tyson Fury, he only has two big wins. They're outstanding wins. You got to rate him number one right now. He beat an all-time great in Vladimir Klitschko, and then he beat – he beat uh, uh, Wilder in the rematch, yes. But other than that, his resume is kind of thin. The heavyweight with the best resume is Anthony Joshua, if you guys really want to know the truth. Uh, you know, with real quick, with Vladimir Klitschko, it takes me back to the beginning of the show when I was talking about Ryan Garcia and mental health issues. I know of a lot of fighters that went into fights that are 100% not mentally and emotionally healthy. I, I can't talk about it too much on the record, but Vladimir Klitschko... And that fight with Tyson Fury was not 100%. He was not 100% mentally, emotionally. Uh, He just wasn't there all the way for that fight with Tyson Fury. Physically, he was. He had a good camp. He was a little bit older, long in the tooth or whatever, but mentally and emotionally wasn't quite where he needed to be. And I've seen that sort of thing play out many times. I've seen uh, guys go into fights that weren't 100% mentally and emotionally fit. So, for again, for Ryan Garcia to pull the plug two and a half months before the fight with Javier Fortuna. He's not doing it two days before the fight. He's doing it two months before the fight. Uh, I got no issue with it as long as Ryan Garcia does what he needs to do and gets healthy and and really, you know, gets to work because he's got a long road ahead of him if these mental illness issues are real. All right, uh, let's take another phone call real quick, guys. And then we'll uh, wrap up the show. Uh, 4479, you're on the show. Go.
2: Hello, Mike. Uh, I man, I thought that
3: was you. What's up, man?
4: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, some of the things you're seeing, uh, I think you can look at it two ways. I agree that Fury has two signature wins, but he did beat Waldo, With Joshua still hasn't done or didn't do. Whoever we blame, both sides are fighting together. so – we'll never know who would have won when the both have Maybe you'd favour one guy over the other right now, but at the time when they were meant to fight, we'll never know who would have won. And Fury did beat Klitschko. I know, I've heard this a lot, like uh, Klitschko won not
2: 100% and stuff like that, but
4: still him going to Germany, beating Klitschko, I don't think Klitschko had ever lost on points. That was the only other time. And it, it wasn't just beating him. I think the way Fury beat him... I don't know, Klitschko, as hands go and fought very tentative, but at the same time, I think you've got to give a Fury some sort of credit. There's, I agree. About eleven rounds, but eleven rounds Klitschko could have landed a glove on him. And I do think style-wise, that should come into play because if you look at the Joshua and Klitschko fight, I thought Klitschko was vigorous in that fight. Was coming off a loss, was coming off a long layoff, was forty-one, and it took him about five rounds to actually. I thought get like into the fight, and when he did, he pretty much almost knocked Joshua out. At the same time, he did go down. I know, and just, but I'm not sure if Joshua fought a critical 17 months prior. And I know that I don't like doing this because at the same time, Joshua also was a bit experience and had 18 fights, so it's not fair as well. But I personally don't think. Eddie and Joshua would have taken that fight if Klitschko had a loss to Fury. I think the only only reason we saw that fight was because Klitschko was coming off a loss. deal look great in that fight to Fury. And I think the risk was worth the worth reward. I think uh, yeah. Joshua fought that Klitschko, who was physically younger, two three years, whatever it was, who was on a long winning streak in Germany. I just can't see Joshua beating the Klitschko. He still got the job done. And it was a much better fight than the 3 fight. But my point is regarding this whole heavyweight, you could nitpick a lot of their resumes. Even Joshua, like, he's got wins over Klitschko, Povetskin, and Pulev. But all those guys were either 40 or close to 40. And right. I agree, he's fought the most consistently top 10 heavyweights. But he, when you look at it on paper, the guys he beat
2: at
4: uh, the belt, guys like Joseph Parker, Charles Martin. Are those guys really elite as well? Like, I know what you were saying about Andy Ruiz, but Andy Ruiz did go in there and beat Joshua with Charles Martin, got embarrassed by when he got in there with Joshua. And Joseph Parker, I thought, kind of laid that. He did okay in a way, but I thought he was way too negative. And I think that's where you got to give Ruiz some sort of credit. I know Joshua may have underestimated him and there may have been problems, but. Uh, he still knocked Joshua out. And in the rematch, uh, even though Joshua won, I do think Joshua missed the chance. I think he could have maybe went for the knockout. I basically think uh, after what happened in the first fight and after the Klitschko fight, he's kind of become gun But that's still a question mark over him. I basically think like well, when Henrikh got knocked out by Rashman in the rematch, he left no doubt. Like So... I, I don't know what you define by elite heavyweight. I personally think right now you could argue Tyson Fury might be the only elite heavyweight. Well, what, what I mean by elite is if you put Fury in the Lewis era, I personally think he could handle with some of those guys. He may lose to a lot of those guys, you may even lose to uh, what was there uh, Holyfield and Lewis and Mike Tyson. But at the thing time, I think style-wise, he could give all of those guys trouble. Joshua, I'm not sure. He He may have, uh, arguably we fought. Uh, the Georges the tough guys, but I just, I don't know. I just, he might prove me wrong if he beats Fury. I just see a guy who's just as flawed as well. Like, don't get me wrong, Fury is flawed as well. He's, mm. he's not invincible. They're all, they're all flawed. Say, Walder, yeah, they all flawed. But one guy isn't beaten, and Star Wars looks like the guy who may be the most difficult to defeat. Uh, uh, we'll see what happens in the future because I do think uh, I'm not sure what you think about the fight I do think Joshua has that fight with Pula, which he's been more active which he really hasn't had a fight since uh, last uh, February that could work against him but I don't know I, I just think uh, I think a lot of these guys are flawed so I, I do think Rui could argue the top five right? some people say he's top four top three probably I wouldn't go that far I think Valder i still rank him ahead, but at the same time, Ruiz has got something on his resume, which Wald hasn't, which is a win over Joshua uh, and a unified division. I don't know what you think about that.
3: Well, I, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, I do give Fury credit for the win over Klitschko. It's, it's interesting. Andrew Smith in the chat just said the best win in the heavyweight division is an almost 40-year-old Klitschko, which is true. The best win for any current heavyweight fighting was Tyson Fury's uh, terrible to watch, but very effective win over an almost 40-year-old Vladimir Klitschko. That really puts things in perspective of this heavyweight division. And um, Andrew Smith also follows that up with, I think it shows how good Klitschko was. I I agree with that. That's why I say his resume is going to age very, very well. But um, as far as what I define as elite mean, I, I look at it like a fighter that is a, a clear notch above the rest of the division in a pound-for-pound in a pound level talent. Whether they're top 10 or not, I don't necessarily mean that. I just mean a pound-for-pound pound level talent. So to me, in the welterweight division, there are three elite fighters. It's, it's Crawford, it's Spence, and it's an old Pacquiao. I don't even know if I consider Pacquiao elite anymore, but I kind of just do out of respect. At 140, it's Taylor and Ramirez. Uh, 135, <clears throat> it is Lomachenko and, uh, Tiafima Lopez and, uh, who am I forgetting? I think that's it. So, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's those level of fighters now, right now at heavyweight, there's to me, two top guys that are clearly above the rest of the field. It doesn't mean they can't lose, but fury and Joshua to me are the two top guys. They are clearly, I want to see them fight the way I want to see Spence And Crawford fight because those are clearly the two top welterweights or like I want to see Taylor and Ramirez fight. Those are the top two junior welterweights. It doesn't mean that in the heavyweight division on any given night, a guy like Dillian White or Joseph Parker, Andy Ruiz, Deontay Wilder, any of those guys couldn't beat one of those two top heavyweights and knock them off their perch. It's just those are clearly the top two guys. So maybe Ruiz is elite. Maybe Eddie Reynoso can make him an elite-level fighter. It remains to be seen, though. He hasn't proven it yet. So far, it's been one amazing night where he knocked out Anthony Joshua, who we all agree is flawed. Vladimir Klitschko at like 42 or whatever, coming off a two-, three-year layoff almost did it. So you can knock out Anthony Joshua. Steve Cunningham has knocked down Tyson Fury, I think Fury could be knocked out against the right fighter. He's heavily flawed, um, so yeah, yeah. it could happen. But, but Ruiz no, has to prove it.
4: Yeah, I was say, but no one did it to uh, Joshua before that. But so, I, yeah, I agree. But I they dropped him, him and they was, hurt him. Yeah. Dillian
3: White hurt him. Vladimir Klitschko uh, dropped him. You know what I'm saying?
4: Klitschko, Klitschko hit him. At the same time, Klitschko is an all time great. I think. I think we. I know. I know he was flawed and he showed flawed, but. To me, getting getting dropped, it depends who you're getting dropped by and how you come back. Uh, I didn't see him getting dropped by Klitschko as a big thing because I, I think that vision or any vision of Klitschko would have probably took all life lifestyle So I didn't look at that too much. I think uh, like what he did with Povestin and Povestin and shots. I do think Joshua had got a better chin than some people think.
2: Uh, yeah. But I agree.
4: Yeah, he, he is a flawed guy and he was beatable. Same as Rui. But I think Ruin I think it's the fact that no one saw it coming and there was a big upset. That's why I personally would give it uh, a lot of credit and at the same time, he got dropped. He got back up from heavy knockdown and he managed to drop Joshua. And then That's off. a good point. And at the same time, when, at the same time, when you look at guys like Luis Ortiz, is he really a top 10 heavyweight uh, Skill wise, maybe, but then you look at guys he's fought compete uh, I, I, I I struggle to follow Luis Ortiz if we're just basing our resume we a like if we're gonna compare everyone's resume, then I think Luis Ortiz is barely a top ten heavyweight. I think you could argue guys like Chisora may have a better resume than Ortiz. Skill-wise, I agree. Ortiz, and he was a slightly avoidant, maybe, but skill-wise, I agree he's a better fighter. But looking at his wins, I don't know. He hasn't really beaten many guys outside Brian Jennings, and he lost twice to Walder, So I, I, I agree. It, it depends you defined by uh, elite and uh, how you rank the fighters. I was going to say one last thing, drop for regarding the heavyweight division and welterweight division. Obviously, I don't really rank every pound for pound, like what you were saying earlier right, on, but I think uh, there is a lot more pressure on the welterweights than since they are in America, especially the bigger names. I mean, the division, I think Walden's the only worth top American. Uh, at the same time a lot of these guys have not fought. Do you think this is a problem? Because a lot of people give the Henry stick, but we did manage to see Joshua and uh, Klitschko fight and Wilder and Fury fight twice. And in the Valterweight division, since Mayor the Packer retired, I I don't think we've got many unifications. I think we've got one, Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman. And at the same time, I think Brook and Spence fought. But the winners of those fights, they have fought. Is that, do you think, a major problem?
3: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, Ahmed. We have gotten some pretty good fights in this heavyweight division. I mean, if you look at the top 10, Anthony Joshua has fought guys like Parker, Ruiz, White. He did fight Klitschko, Povetkin. um, And then uh, Fury has the wins over Wilder. I mean, these guys have fought each other, you know. Um, Yet, you go over to welterweight, and what you have is a situation where Al Heyman and PBC uh, want to keep business in-house, and they're putting Spence as their top guy. It was Thurman briefly. Then it became Spence, and they're keeping things in-house. And so you're getting decent fights. Like Spence versus Porter is a, was a good fight. Spence versus Ugas will be a good fight. But everyone wants to see Spence versus Crawford. And neither Spence nor Crawford have a fight on the schedule yet. And it's the same thing with, with uh, Fury and Joshua. We know they're negotiating, but nothing's on the schedule yet. I think this is a major problem. Boxing is off to a really slow start in 2021. And the biggest problem in the post-COVID world, I don't mean post-COVID like it's over, I mean post-pandemic, um, post-breakouts, if you will, is that um, a lot of these fighters want a big, big payday, and you can only make that big payday happen with fans. You have to have site fees. And so, uh, I, I just, I don't know when some of these fights are going to happen, if they ever do happen, man. It's unfortunate. It's a huge problem.
4: Well, you, I agree. What do you think? Look, if we get through the industrial fight, I think that's consolidation uh, uh, a heavyweight. Anyway, I want to see, like, I know you touched on a point, product, and I know now the news is that crack your is off. Oh, whether or not a fight was ever on, I never know. I don't need a lot of true, but if Pacquiao and Spence two fights, and I don't know if that's a unification, because now Ugas has been elevated as a WBA champion, which is, I think, a bit of a a cluster, <laughs> fucking like that. And say if Pacquiao and Spence fight, and say we get Porter and Crawford, and then the winners of that somehow fight later, would you be happy with that? Because I think that's not too bad fight. fight. Uh, I know they're going to be paid for me, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing that.
3: If they... Let's say they did those first two fights this fall, and part of the contract was that the winners fight each other next spring. I'd be cool with that if they do that. I'd be totally fine with that. That'd be great. But I highly doubt something like that happens. I'd love to be proven wrong though.
4: Yeah, yeah. Do you do one last? Do you know what? uh, Actually, not actually. What Crawford will do now is important. Option they could uh, pursue.
3: Porter is still an option, but other than that, I really don't know. I know that eventually the winner between Taylor and Ramirez will move up and fight Crawford. I know that, but that probably won't happen until early next year. So it, it could possibly happen late this year. If and when that happens, that's an outstanding fight. But other than that, I, I don't know, man. I just don't know.
2: Yeah,
4: uh, That's the best fight. Happen because at the moment I think the UFC are delivering, and I think I know they're two different, completely sports. But I just think this is a problem in boxing, and I I I've heard Steve Kim and Manuel Lopez touch upon it as well. Just I basically think it's maybe a bigger issue in America right now. But I think American boxing, especially in America, is always seen as the mecca of boxing, and when I think boxing in America. Is not driving of the big fight being happening, as it should. I think the sport is a bit um, – what's the word? Uh, Diluted not touch down upon. But thanks for being welcome, Mike. I appreciate that. Uh,
3: thanks thank a lot, good. man
2: All right. That's it. All
3: right. One more quick call, guys, and we're going to jump off. We've been going here for almost two hours. Long show today. Long show. All right. 401, you're the last call of the show. Go. All right.
2: Hey, Mike. What's going on? It's uh, Ethan, Andre's cousin. Finally, got to call in again. Oh, what's up, man? Shit, just you know, I was out at the gym and I was like, oh, I listened to the uh, the show on my AirPods and I was like, oh, just at the gym, perfect timing. Hit the last call in before you end it, I was wondering, do you think uh, Bebo will finally get like the not like the mainstream attention, but you know, more recognition on his name if he does get, let's say. Better Bevo or Smith in like 2022 when there's an undisputed light heavyweight fight because I I think it'll come down to I I think it'll be Bevo but but if it's Bevo and Smith we already saw that fight once and I, I see it going the same way if not uh, Bevo by late stoppage because he almost stopped him in in, in their fight in the twelfth round.
3: Yeah, I think. I mean, if he can get those two wins, he's never going to be like a crossover star. He doesn't have the personality for that, but he would get the recognition. I mean. Let's say Better Biev and Smith fight this year. Let's say, just for the sake of argument, Better Biev wins that fight by decision. And then Better Biev-Bevol happens next spring and Bevol wins. He's probably on the pound-for-pound pound list at that point. You know what I'm saying? Or, or close to it. So oh,
2: for sure, yeah.
3: You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
2: Do you think that anytime time somebody becomes undisputed, they should be on top pound pound-for-pound? Or does it kind of depend on who they fight? Because it is impressive getting all the titles, especially in boxing today, becoming undisputed. But do you think like anybody that becomes undisputed should be on pound for pound or should it be like who have you beat type of thing? I think if I think if um, Devo did beat either Better Biev or Smith, I think he should be because those are like, you know, especially if he if somehow he beats Better Biev or or stops him, I think instantly pound for pound, that's that's impressive.
3: Yeah, I think anytime you clean out a division, look if if Jermel Charlo beats Brian Castanio He's in my top ten. When Usyk cleaned out cruiserweight, he was in my top ten. So if uh, if you know light heavyweight gets consolidated, regardless of who it is, even if it's Joe Smith, let's say Joe Smith beats Peterbiev and then fights uh, Bevel, rematches him and somehow wins that rematch, you know, um, and he's got several losses, it wouldn't matter. Like he'd be on the pound for pound list at that point. If you're yeah. if you're cleaning out a division like that, dude, that deserves respect. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, that's why I always question people when they give Bud crap for how high he was on top like, dude, It wasn't, sure 140 at the time wasn't stacked, but he still yeah. did it in, in this, today's era. It's hard to do that. Like, look how many all time greats haven't done that. And, you know, he did it. Like, you know, you should have some respect doing it. Canelo's doing it. He's already, you know, he's probably, he should be number one on probably everybody's list, but he's probably going to be undisputed if. PBC doesn't fuck that plan over, which I think they will, <laughs> but I don't know.
3: Probably. What do
2: you think of the, uh, last question, what do you think of like uh, Loma, Loma Nakatani? Do you, so I know it's like, you know, WBO Eliminator and seems like Bob's kind of in bed with WBO. What if, let's say Loma wins, he becomes T.O.'s mandatory for that belt. What do you like, what could you see happening? Because T.O., he's been pretty like diva-ish, I would say about it, but not giving Loma a rematch. But it, I think it will be a better fight the second time around. And I think it would be kind of uh, like It'd be a bad look if he, if he somehow if w, the WBO somehow strips him of his title if he doesn't face it mandatory. What do you think? What, do you think that could happen? A rematch, maybe. Maybe, but I would
3: pro- My guess is that Tafima Lopez by the end of this year will move up to 140. So even if uh, yeah, probably. yeah, even if Lomachenko becomes mandatory, I just think that there's a there's a big there's a couple big fight possibilities for Tio if he moves up. So, I, and then, you know, he isn't that happy with Grandpa Bob at top rank right now. There's some drama there. So, I, I don't know if we're ever going to get that rematch, but I'd love to see it. I really would.
2: Yeah. I, I, I know it's probably going to, people are going to say Loma has had a chance, but honestly, I think if they rematch, I think, I think Loma gets that for sure. That's just my thing. That's by the way, the first fight went. I think Loma knows what he needs to do now. And I think he pretty handily won maybe five of the last you know six rounds by his activity so I think if you do that from start to finish which he can do I I can see easy shape for him maybe a late stoppage but it'll it'll probably never happen like you said but I think if Tio moves up he might move up around the time with Taylor and is moving up too and he could just maybe grab a few titles there so who knows but with Tank going to 140 and grabbing the WBA regular belt, <laughs> the baby belt, I I think TBC for sure what they want to do is get him that regular belt. When, let's say Taylor wins, he moves up to 47. Titles are vacant. What the, did the, the WBA do? Elevate him to super champ, and then boom. TBC's got their stamp at 142. That's going to happen. I, I mark my words. I bet you that's, that, that's going to happen.
3: I could definitely see that happening. If Tank stays at 40... 40- if Tio moves up to 40, hopefully that fight can be talked about and made. That would be an awesome fight at 140. Uh, I don't see it, but you're damn right. Uh, WBA is going to elevate Tank at uh, 140 if, um, if and when the winner between Taylor Ramirez moves up, which they will. So yeah, you can kind of predict what yeah, the WBA sure. is going to do, man. It's so nasty. It's just disgusting. <clears throat> yeah, all
2: these all the fiction bodies acting like promoters now. It's kind of sick. Makes me wish there was like some kind of like boxing government establishment to like put them in check because they're all playing politics WBC yeah, like, let it kill, do whatever WBO Bob mm-hmm. some. WBA take pay on PBC I think but you know but alright Mike I'm gonna let you go big show as always man
3: thanks a lot brother good hearing from you man
2: good hearing stay safe
3: alright you too bro have a good one alright guys man what a show almost two hours Almost two hours of uh, boxing talk. Good stuff, man. Um, Let's see here. John Newman, last comment of the day, says, Tank is not fighting any legit champion anytime soon. Right you are, John. And that's why it's really hard to Tank. Take Tank's career seriously. And I'm a big fan. I think the guy's talent. But... um, you gotta fight the fights, man. All right, guys. Uh, good stuff, man. We'll uh, enjoy the fights this weekend. Let me know if you want to see a um, a fight party uh, for Ruiz Ariola on my channel, and we'll do some live commentary. Either way, we'll see you guys next Monday on the show. See you at the fights.